Let us pray. Our precious Father, we want to thank you for the privilege we have to study your word this evening, focusing on prayers. We ask that you will speak to us by your spirit and that you will help us to hear you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are, this month, focusing on prayer. The prayer ministry has this program, Prayer Fest, uh, throughout December. Uh, so apart from next week, Thursday, when the rising generation will have their Bible studies, the rest of the Bible studies this week, this month will be focused on prayer. So our theme scripture is 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be honest and disciplined in your prayers. So you can see the need for us to study this. The scripture says the end of the world is coming soon. So we need to be honest and we need to be disciplined, consistent in our prayer life because everything the scripture says will happen in the last days. They are happening now. Some of them you might observe. Some of them you may not observe, but they are happening. Dislocations, falsehood, all manner of stuff the enemy is doing. That's why we must be prayerful in these end times, very, very solid in our prayer life. So that's why the purpose of the earth, secondly, to prepare us for the January prayer. So we don't just pray for praying sake. We remind ourselves of the things that are important so that our praying in January will be uh, successful. It's not just there to fulfill our righteousness. The Bible teaches us how to do things. The word of God is lamp unto our feet and light to guide us in everything, including prayers. <clears throat> so, in pursuit of this thing, we have uh, plans here to teach and look at the scriptures. We want to look at the basic things to know about prayers. These basic things are very important. We forget them, and then we, we pay the price. I remember trying to fill out a form. And then they told me, they said, you need to gather this document, this document, this document. And sure enough, I did it. <laughs> so as I was filling out this form, somewhere along the line, I realized I needed those documents to get the information. I had to drive from my office to my house to go get them. And I said, this is what we do with the word of God. We, you know, we think we don't need all the details. So these things are important. We need to really get the information from the word of God. The, the basic things to know about prayer what the scripture says about praying, fasting, and each place in prayer. Because we are going to do praying and fasting too. And then living a disciplined prayer life, a purposeful, consistent, kingdom-focused prayer life. Now, we may not go in this order, but surely as the Lord leads us, we are going to bring in things from all this. But we have these things to guide us to make sure that we are orderly in our presentations. So first of all, let's look at basic things to know about praying successfully. Number one is to understand that you cannot do the things of the kingdom based on gambling. There's nothing in the kingdom that is gambling. God is not the God of disorder. God says the steps of a good man is ordered. Everything in this kingdom is not left to chance. No, there is certainty in it because it's a kingdom that is based on truth, predictable truth. So prayer... It's not something you, you, you lose the chance. You say, let me pray, see whether it will work or not. It's not going to work like that. It doesn't work like that. So we need to know that God wants to answer your prayers. God wants to answer your prayers. And because this is true, then you can be certain that you, when you're praying, you're not beating about the bush. You are doing something that brings result because God says, I answer prayers. Now, in Psalm 65, verse 2, O you who hear prayers, to you all flesh will come. God says, I'm the one that hears prayer. All flesh will come to me. Now, when you read this, don't let it just pass over your head because this is scripture telling you that God answers prayer. Then John 16, 23, at that time, you wouldn't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. He said, my father will grant your request because you use my name. 
you haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. So there's assurance that God answers prayer. In Mark 7, 7, ask and they shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and they shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. So you see, there is certainty that prayer is not a gamble. Because God says, I do answer prayer. God desires to answer your prayer. God wants to answer your prayer. This is first thing you must know. So when you set out to pray, expect answer. Because God desires to answer your prayer. So another thing that will, con- that will give you confidence is because God doesn't change. So God is not going to tomorrow say, oh, I don't answer prayer. God doesn't change. You can be sure that God does not change. Malachi 3 says, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. I don't change. I, I can't change. So you can trust me. You can rely on me. His word also does not change. You know, God cannot improve on himself or decrease who he is. He can't improve and say, let me be better tomorrow. No, that's a pit of, that's it. Brethren, so God can change. It can't be less. It can't be more. There's no more to be. It can't be less. So God does not change. His word also does not change. The, his word, his wisdom cannot be improved upon. And it can't, it, can't, it can't come less than the glory of God. So Psalm 89, 43, no, I will not break my covenant. I will not take back a single word I said. I have sworn an oath to David, and in my holiness, I cannot lie. So when God says I answer prayer, you can take it to the bank. You can take it to the bank any day. In Psalm 33, 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. What God says stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Plans to answer my prayer and your prayer. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. God's word is surer than the cosmos which we see. It's surer than this earth where we are going around the sun, spinning on its axles. It's surer than all of this, all this, all this stars you see. He said, it cannot pass away. This earth, heaven and earth can pass away, but this world cannot. So it is more certain than the physical world and cosmos and creation that you see. That's what Jesus is trying to bring out here. So we can rely on it. If God says, I answer prayer, then that's what he does. But then it's conditional though, because it's not every prayer that God will answer. For instance, you can't ask God to do evil. Because it doesn't change. It can't be evil. So you can't ask God to do evil. And so he won't do that. Luke 9, 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, 52, and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem, 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them. He rebuked them. Why? This kind of request is at cross purposes with his purpose. Then he rebuked them, but he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. So he said, I can't do this because it's contrary to my purpose. So it's not every request we make that God will get involved in. If you ask something contrary to his purpose, obviously he's not going to get involved in it. And so God is bound by his word. He cannot violate his word just to answer your prayer. Look at 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. He heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. So his will guides what he will do. 
So if we ask anything according to his will, not contrary to his will and purpose like we just read, and up until today, there are people who are calling on God to kill people, to kill people. People that God sent us to preach the gospel to so that they are saved, we are calling on God to kill them because we, we, they did something that we are angry with. And we think that God is, is like us, is wicked. God says, I don't want the death of the sinner. So if you are calling on him to kill a sinner, you're wasting your time. Because he said, no, it's not my will that any should perish. It's not his will that any should perish. If you want to kill, you go ahead and do it on your own. But don't get God involved. His will is, it's not God's will that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance and knowledge of the truth. You take the scripture, I mean the gospel to people, that's what we should do. But not to call on God to kill people. And then many people do that. They do that. So we see that God does everything according to his purpose and will. So he, if we pray according to his purpose and will, for sure he will do it. Why not? Because he said, I answer prayers. Ephesians 1.11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things. Now listen to this. He works all things, not some things. All things according to the counsel of his will. All things. So you get outside his will, you're your own. Because he works all things according to his purpose. He cannot defeat his purpose because you are asking for it. Okay? So his oath, and remember, his word is his oath. God, the word of God, God is bound by his word as an oath binds us when we, when we make an oath. God is bound by his word. If God violates his word, he becomes unfaithful, and God will never do that because his word is his him. So there's no amount of prayer that will get God to violate his word. He's not going to do that. You know, in Hebrews 6, 16, now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself. See, when God speaks, he bounds himself to it. That's why you can trust his word no matter what has happened. You can stand on the word of God. You can. Oh, brethren, you can. You can. God bound himself with an oath so that those who receive the promise could be perfectly sure that he will never change his mind. God can say one thing today, tomorrow he said another thing, so you are not sure. It's not gambling. So you can predict God. You can, for sure. You can. In verse 18, so God has given both his promise and his oath. What the scripture says, the word of God, God bound himself with his word like somebody who has taken an oath, binds himself with an oath. So his word is like an oath to him. So if God says I answer prayer, for sure he does. And you pray according to his will. Say, you, you get it. I'll do it. Jeremiah 1.12. Then said the Lord unto me, thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. He's not going to hasten anybody's word to perform it. He hastens his word because it's God Almighty. That's his word that he hastens and performs. Now, you know, we, we, we Christians kind of have kind of frustration sometimes. Maybe not always, but sometimes. We pray and pray and pray and wonder, where is God? What's going on? Well, sometimes, not always. Don't get me wrong here, please. Not always, but sometimes the frustration comes because we are praying out of his will. We are not in sync with his will. There is an aspect of that prayer that does not rhyme with his will, that is coming from your own human desire and wisdom. For instance, you make your plans what to do, and then you go to God and be praying to him and say, Lord, I want to be an engineer. I want to do this. And you get frustrated because he created you for a purpose. 
Now, it will, be your, your, it will be your job to find out from God and say, you created me for, for a purpose. You created me for your own purpose. Why? What do you want me to do? If God says, well, I want you to be a pastor, you go to social school, you don't have to apply twice. They, they'll call you. There won't be frustration because he said, if you ask me, I'll answer it. But if I make, made up my mind because uh, brother, brother John is an engineer, and then he's making uh, $100,000 a month, so I must be an engineer. <laughs> and I'm praying and fasting. God said, but that's not my purpose for creating you. You're not wiser than me. You didn't make yourself. I made you for myself. I created you for my pleasure. Not for your pleasure. And you didn't come to this world for money. You came here for my pleasure. You see, that's how these confusions and frustrations come. And then sometimes, you know, we, made, we are made up our minds <laughs> what we want to do. I'm going to be praying, God, oh, God, show me. You made up your mind to marry Agnes. You have made up your mind. You are in denial. You have made up your mind that Agnes is so beautiful. Man, look at her legs. Woo, I can't, woo, glory, God, help me. And then you go to God, Lord, show me who to marry. You made up your mind. And God knows you are just deceiving yourself. If you want to deal with God, I said it on Thursday, please, God says, I desire truth in the inward man. Do not come to God with double tongue. You know, after Thursday, the teaching, and I went home, the Lord said to me, do you know why I called those people vipers? He said, I called them vipers. He said, look at the tongue of the viper. It's double. Because they are double tongued. They speak like their father, double-tongued. The devil is always represented like a snake. Double, this, the tongue of a snake is split into two. Double-tongued, never speak the truth. He's saying one thing with this, saying another with this. Double, he said, you are vipers. Don't, don't try these things with God for God's sake. There should be some honor. There should be some rest. When you go to God, he knows your heart. Go and tell him, Lord, you know I'm hooked on Agnes. I'm really hooked on how. But you know, I, I want to know your way. Lord, you need to help me because I'm hooked on how. So you need to really detach me. And he knows you are being sincere. And he will help you. He will help you. We confuse ourselves. You, you know, you, you, are, you, you are sleeping with this person. You are sleeping with that person. You are committing immorality here. I say, God, who do I marry? Come on. Come on. Oh, pastor, I've been praying and praying and praying. You haven't been. God says, I'll answer you. If you pray according to my will. You haven't been. You know, we leave. Let me go on. So, to avoid this frustration and prayer failure, we need to listen to what our Lord Jesus told us as the foundation for successful prayer is to lay it, the foundation of your prayer, on what God said. Bring to God his word, his purpose, his will. And God said, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I purposed it before you were born. I'm wiser than you. I know why I chose that path. You bring the word of God to him. Don't bring some other purposes and opinion. He's not interested in that. All our righteousness is filthy rag. Don't bring him filthy rag. You're not wiser than him. Look at what Jesus said, John 15, 5. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Now watch these words now. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now he's teaching us how to produce this, the fruit of the Spirit. To, to, to see his life walk in us. And he came and narrowed it down. And he said, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away. If you don't trust me and trust me alone, you can't do anything. It's thrown away. Like a useless branch. And, we, and he withers because it's not drawing sap from the Lord Jesus Christ. Such branches are gathered into a pie to be burned. Now look at verse 7. 
But if you remain in me, if conditional, if you remain in me, my words remain in you. How can Jesus be telling his, his disciples, disciples, followers, if, 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 if you remain in me, if, conditional, and my words remain in you, then you may ask for anything you want. Anything. And this is God that is impossible for him to lie. You can ask anything you want. And, I will be, and it will be granted you. Anything. But in this is a blank check. Blank check. But it will be based on two conditions here. First of all, it says, I'm divine. You are branches, which means you need to attach to me. You need to, the branch depends entirely on the stem. When storm comes, it is that stem that's carrying the branch. If you, if you cut it off from the branch, from the stem, that branch is worthless, it will die, it's useless, it can't stand, can't be afraid, can't do anything. He said, that's the way all of us are without him. And so, we need to understand the importance of complete dependence on Christ alone. There is nothing else that is divine. There is nothing else. There is nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else that is divine except Christ himself. Nothing else. Not what you do. Not how many times you didn't sleep. Not you didn't eat five, 20 times. Nothing else is divine. Not even your title. Not senior, senior pastor. Wonderful, wonderful. Nothing else is divine except Christ Jesus alone. Nothing else. So when we, when we bring some of these things with trust that is not divine and we fail, why shouldn't we fail? The condition is if you abide in me, if you trust me alone, I'm divine. It's from me, life flows, wisdom flows, everything comes from him. I'm divine. People trust all manner of things. Only Jesus is divine. That's why Paul said, I've discarded everything that junk. That, that, that junk. He said, so that I might gain Christ alone. I can now depend on him alone and be found in him alone. Because he's, that, that is, he's the only vine. He's the only vine. So that's trusting in him, relying in him. In Romans eleven nineteen, it says, Well, you may say, those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. So when you don't stop believing in him, trusting him, you are broken off. You are not abiding. You are not attaching. He said, but you, but you are there because you do believe. If, if, if you abide in, if you remain in me, if you attach, if you are continuously grafted to me, relying on me alone, I'm the only one. For instance, I'll show you a series of becauses. I don't know whether that is good English, but for here, let's just take it. Becauses. Number one, because. Number two, because. Number three, because. Number four, because. And so I called it becauses, because there are many of because, because. Now let's see what the Holy Spirit wrote for the church to see, that Jesus is the only vine, the only person you can trust to access the things of God. Only him. In John 16, 23, at that time, you wouldn't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because, this number one, because, because you use my name. I'm the only vine. Everything flows from me. The Bible says, out of his fullness, we take, we take God's blessing. Because you use my name, period. 
You can't put another because, except the one that the Holy Spirit put for you. Because you use my name. Number two, because. Ephesians 3.12. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we cannot come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Because of Christ. The only vine. Ephesians 2.18. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because, another because, of what Christ has done for us. Another because. Let's see another because. Ephesians 2.17. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him. Peace and peace to the Jews who were near 18. Now all of us, now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit. Another because, because of what Christ has done for us. If you abide in me, if you come because of what I've done, if you come because of what I've done, if your confidence is in me as their only vine, you can have access, you can come to the Father. But if you don't trust in what I've done, you're not coming. I say deny. Let's read that one more because. Romans 5, 2. Because of our faith, I think we have read Romans 5, 2, haven't we? No, no, no. Romans 5, 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the, this, this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory because of our faith in him. Because of our faith in him. Now, that second part says, if my word remain in you. And you know that the word of God is guiding, guiding light in the kingdom of God. So, if we follow the guidance of the word of God, the Bible said, attend to my word. My son, attend to my word. So don't let it depart from your eyes. Let it be your guiding principle. For instance, if you, if you attach, if you come because of what he's done, because of his name, you are, the word is abiding. You have not forgotten it. It's in the midst of your heart. It's your guiding principle. You are using it to see. This light here, if you turn off this light, our eyes become dark. But you know, sometimes we are careless with the word of God. You do what I did. I want to fill this one. Let me say it again. And they say, you need this document. He said, collect this document before you start. I read it. I said, let me start. So somewhere along the line, I needed information from those documents. I left this office, drove home. I said to myself, this is what we do with the word of God. I've said it. If you want to live a very successful Christian life, Pay attention to God. Oh, honor God's word. Honor God's word. Pay attention. When they are preaching the word, open your ears, open your eyes. Do not let the devil distract you and take away your attention. He's ruining your life because you miss the vital information that you will employ to make your life successful. And we live in the last days. A lot of things are happening that have not been happening. Iniquity is abounding. Again, you bring his word to him to make your case. If my word abides in you, if my word is the guiding principle in what you are doing, if it is alive in you, then you can ask whatever you want. So we have said that the word guides you so that you follow the word as it guides you how to pray. And then number two, when you come to talk to God, you bring his word to him. Take your Bible. Go to the Lord. Say, this is what you said. This is your word, Lord. You said this word, if it abides in me, Lord, I've not forgotten it. It's in my heart. It's living in my heart. Now, Let's look at the saints that went before us. Because, you know, the scripture said that the things that they were written of old is written for us in Christians today so we can learn. Romans 15, 4. For whatever things were written before, were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures 
might have hope. So they are written for Alanine. And let's look at Moses' example, how he brought God's word to him and how instantly he was getting answers. Because God can lie. God cannot lie. If you ask, I got into my way. According to my way, say you get it. You say you can be, you are confident you've got it. Look at Moses now. Let's, let's watch him. Exodus 31, verse 1. Now, a situation arose where God said to Moses, now you take these people to the promised land, but I'm not going with you. I'm not going with you. I'll send an angel, an angel will make the, you get there, but I'm not going with you, say, because people are, they don't listen to me. So Exodus 31, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, get going. You and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. God said, you, Moses, you brought them up. You brought them up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them, I will give this land to your descendants. And I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites. Hivites and Jebusites go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you. I'm not going with you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. Lord said, I'm not going to go with you. I'm not going. So an angel will go. I'll take you there. The angel will take you there. Then Moses petitioned God. This is, this is prayer of petition. Which you go to God and make your case before God. Very powerful way to pray. Make your case <clears throat> before God. Moses petitioned God with the word that God told him. Say, God, you told me this. God, you told me this. God said, sure, I'm doing it. Why? God will never lie. But he said, don't let this word depart from your heart. Don't. It will be your job to bring it to me. Now, Exodus that one from verse 12. One day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, you see, he started to tell him what God was saying. You've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, we read it. But you haven't told me who you, you will send with me. You have told me, listen to all this, you have told me, you told me, you told me. What is he doing? He's bringing God's word to God. You have told me, I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true, then, you see his petition? If it is true, then, if it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your way, sorry. Okay, you have told me, let me start again from verse 12. One day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways now so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember now that these people you say you won't go with them, remember that this nation is your very own people. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, covenant-keeping God. Do you have a covenant with this people? They are your people. Powerful petition. Powerful. Remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, instant answer. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you. How No 40 days dry, no falling down, no shouting, nothing. Except somebody who knows that I can't bring to God my wisdom. I bring to him what he said. And God said, yeah, I'm bound by it. I'm committed to it. Immediately he said, he said, he said okay, okay. He said, I will personally go with you, Moses. He called him Moses, called him his name. I'll personally go with you, Moses. Go with you, you, Moses. I'm going with you, Moses. I will personally go with you, Moses. I will do this. And then he says, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. He's talking to Moses. Moses. 
brethren. 15. Then Moses said, he's still making his petition. If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Because God said, Moses, I'll go with you. I'll give you rest. God said, Moses said, if you don't go with us, Moses said, these are still your people, Lord. These are still your people. If you don't go, if you don't go with us, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me? You said you look favorably on me. Eh? He's still bringing back to God what you told, what God told him. Favorably on me and on your people if you don't go with us. He said, you want to go with Moses? Yeah, but go with us while your people. How, you said you look favorably on me. That's what you told me. How will people know if you don't now go with your people? Go with us. Your people. For your presence among us sits your people. They call, say, God, these are still your people. Your people and me apart from all other people on earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked. For I look favorably on you and I know you by name. Powerful petition. And this is not a privilege of Moses. This is a privilege of everybody who allows the word of God to be his guiding principle in prayer. Isaiah 1.18, come now and let us reason together, said the Lord, true, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Then another translation, the complete Jewish Bible says, come now, says Adonai, Let's talk this over together. Let's talk it over together. That's what prayer is, really. Then another translation, the contemporary English version says, I, the Lord, invite you to come and talk it over. Come, let's talk it over. I'm your father. I'm your daddy. Come. You're not a stranger to me, a member of my family. Come on. Come, let's talk it over. Bring your reasons. Let's discuss it. Now, let's know that... God answers prayer because answered prayer glorifies God too and brings his children fullness of joy. Who doesn't want his children to be happy? Who doesn't want his children to be happy? Who? Who? And so look at John 14, 13. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. He brings glory to the Father. Yes, he brings glory to the Father. When God heals, he brings glory to the Father. When God meets your need, you share the testimony, he brings glory to the Father. We were hearing testimonies yesterday at the believers meeting. Wonderful, powerful testimonies that brought glory to the Father. People were, I don't know how they send those things. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, he was bringing glory to the Father. Brings glory to the Father. John 16, 24. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive. And you will have abundant joy. God wants you to receive it. He wants to see you full of joy. He doesn't want to see you sad. He wants to see you full of joy. Because you are his child. You are his child. You are his child. You know, I don't remember when my son Hugo came back to home one day, because it's been a struggle, you know, it's a long story. But he came back one day, and he was in honor roll. And it's somebody, they were telling us all the negative stories. He was now in honor roll, and he entered the house, he was singing, the hand of God is strong, the hand of God is strong, the hand of God is strong, indeed, the hand of God is strong. Giving glory to God that day. What they said about me is a lie. God has proved them all. He said, go back to that principal of that middle school. Tell him what the Lord has done in my life. That's what my son told me. And I went. Then there was joy in the family. Trials do come. Challenges do come. Believe me, sometimes they're severe. But out of it, we come great joy. 
When the Lord burst forth with you through your faith, stories that will make great noise. The one they have written off, God has brought, revealed his glory in his life. God is glorified. There is joy, not only for one person, family, friends, everybody. And encouragement. God answers prayer. Because he wants these things to happen like that. Then another thing that the scripture teaches us about successful prayer is do not pray anxious prayers. <laughs> Don't do that. Because you have, you, you, the, the thing has failed before you start. Philippians 4 says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. You must not. Because anxiety and faith are not the same. They are opposite. They are opposite. But in every circumstance, in everything, by prayer, petition, that is definite request. Don't beat about the bush. Make definite request. With thanksgiving, when you are done, thanking God for the answer. That is what the things that concern you personally. Thanking God and then continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so, fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount God over your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. So, if you, if it told us to do not fret and be anxious for anything. You say, can I do that? Of course, you can do all things through Christ now. You decide, you do it. Choice. It's choice. We live by choice. We are no more slaves to sin. We are not slaves to anxiety. We are not. You are not slave at all. You, the song I said to you free. Freedom has come. You must live in the reality of your salvation. You must live in it. It's a matter of choosing. If you if you present God your will and your choice, He presents you the ability that is in Christ. You are already infused with that ability. The Spirit of Christ is joined to your spirit. That ability is there to help you do what you will. That is God's will. So you can. You can. That's one thing the devil does. He tells you you cannot. Oh, you can. It's not. It's not true. You can do all things through Christ, who is your strength. And then look at this, this prescription that God, the scripture gave us. First Peter 5, 7. Casting the whole of your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. You go to the Lord in prayer and pray about it. Cast it on him. Leave it there. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Remember, he wants to answer. He wants to help you. So when you go to God and cast those things that bother you with him, leave it there. He said, can I do that? Yes, people have done it. They don't have two heads. You can. And you should. And then it, after, that, after that verse, the scripture now warns us about the devil. Because he will try to come back to bring back that burden on you. He would, he would definitely try to come back, sneak up on you. You are minding your business. He will start bringing suggestions, bringing thoughts, painting pictures, you know, trying to bring back anxiety. You must know that these things are real. So immediately after that, verse 7, verse 8 says, be well balanced, be temperate, be sober-minded, be vigilant and cautious at all times. For the enemy of yours, the devil roams around like a lion, roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. He said, you cast that body, be careful, you have an enemy going around, he will try to come and carry all that body and load and put on you with suggestions, with imaginations, with hypothetical things, what if this, what if that. God said, leave it with me. And then the scripture says to us, withstand him. Be firm in your faith. Be firm against his onset. Rooted, established, strong, immovable, determined, knowing that the same identical sufferings are appointed to your brotherhood. 
The whole body of Christians throughout the world is doing the same thing to everybody. It's not only you. You must know that these things do happen. After God, you are healed. You believe you are healed. He wants to bring the symptoms back on you. And you say, I thought God healed me. You lose it right there. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't be unstable and, and experience the blessings of God. No, he brings back and says, devil, that's you. In Jesus' name, get out of here. You, he will run. And that's not the only, he will try and bring that symptom back again. He tries several times. Even when you have forgotten, after six months, he will try to bring it back again. Because he doesn't rest. It's him. After telling us, casting all your burdens on the Lord, the next thing he tells us is, hey, 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 be well balanced, be sober, be vigilant, cautious at all times. Don't live a careless life. Be careful who you are talking to. Be careful who is talking to you. He uses people, including people you go to church with. Some of them are Christians somewhere. People who are fire extinguishers. Ordinary conversation, they wouldn't know they are being motivated by the Spirit. Peter wanted to discourage Jesus. He said, Satan get behind If he can talk through Peter, he can talk through anybody. Be careful. Watching television. During the women's conference, man, I had one of the most terrible symptoms anybody could talk about. Man, the only answer, the only word was to call 911. I stood up by the grace of God. I said, Lord, I've not denied this testimony. I've been healed, and I'm going to teach this with period. Immediately, I got to the office. Somebody called me. He said, my father died. And he described what killed the father. He said, exactly the symptoms I was having. Exactly. I said, devil, your testimony is zero. You want to frighten me. The poor person doesn't even know <laughs> what is going on. Out of state, everything he described is the same symptoms I had. Everything. He said, my father just died, and this is, this is, this I comforted him. I don't know think I prayed with him. Then I said, Lord, this word is true forever. Forever, your word is established in heaven. The devil is still a liar. He is still a liar. He still has double tongue. The strength of Israel will never lie. And I said, Lord, if it comes to that, if it comes to that, if in your judgment it's time for me to go, I don't refuse to go, I go home. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not going to hell. I'll go with Jesus. I'll go with Jesus. But deny this word, no. And I came here, preached to the women. I'm still preaching. <laughs> Brethren, we must be watchful. Because these things are real. It can be fierce. It can be fierce. Fiery, fiery darts. Hot, fiery darts. Wicked from the evil one himself, trying to take you down. You cast your burdens, it won't let you sleep. We'll come and start it. You know, this thing happened. It comes at quiet thoughts. Sometimes watching television, it speaks to you through television. The Bible says, be vigilant, brethren. Be vigilant at all times. Be careful how you hear. Be careful who you are talking with. The sixth thing I want to say is, we must have the right motive in prayer. Everything must be for the glory of God. John 14, 13. You can ask for anything in my name, I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. If your motive is your selfish motive, you are not going to go too far with God. Because God does everything for his glory. He will not share his glory with me or with you. You know, we live in the time when people, <laughs> I was discussing with one of my sons here. He said that, wow, God gave me the answer what I wanted to ask you. He said, everybody, everybody filling out the application to go to college is looking at how much they earn, how much they pay. I said, that's, that's the spirit that they Book of Revelation said the devil released this way that makes people fall in love with excessive 
luxury and money. I say, that's what is happening. The spirit that has the whole world is about money. It's about money. I'm telling you. So if your purpose is not for God's glory, it's for your own personal glory, do you think God will really be involved? John, James 4, from verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? What is the evil desire? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight, wage wars to fight, to take it away from them. Yet, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, this is the key, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You don't get it. You want only what will give you pleasure. God says, I'm not financing it. I'm not financing it. You need to learn to trust me. Don't, tr- don't rely on the course you have chosen in the university. That's not your God. Don't rely on this particular university. That's not your God. Don't rely on those things. Why do you want to go? Ah, they pay $150,000. You have instantly made that your God that supplies your need. So you are worshiping something else. You have made your choice who to depend on. You are depending on that cost. You are depending on that thing. God says, enjoy yourself. You depend on God, he becomes your source. You, look, I was listening to something in Japan, a five-year-old man. All he was doing is cook one particular soup. He, had, he won national honors, won this honors. He's still at, at 85, he's still cooking. He's still cooking soup. Learn to rely on God only. Let the Holy Spirit put you where he wants you to be. And God will fulfill all the plans of his life in your life. We live in a world where the spirit of covetousness is is gripping people all over the place. Covetousness. The last days are here. That's part of what we're saying. That the end of the world is coming. Covetousness. Covetousness. Covetousness is an unusual and excessive, unreasonable desire for money and wealth and possessions. It's everywhere. People buy clothes, buy, 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 buy shoes, buy, 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 buy this, buy, 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 buy the car they can't afford. Unusual, it's demonic. Wrong motive. God will not participate in it. Luke 12, 13. Then someone called from the crowd. Teacher, please, tell my brother to divide our father's estates with me. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Hope we can know these things. It's not measured by your title, your degree, your whatever. The, that's what the world uses to assess people. God, it's not just saying any of that. John the Baptist didn't go to anyone. The, the, the scripture told us that in the eyes of God was the greatest. What was his university? What was his degree in the bush eating grasshopper? Jesus said, you see that man? He said, in palaces, you can't find anybody like him. You can't. You see, the way God sees things is different from the way we see things. We always want the, to take glory from the world and let the world tell us our value and what. And that's why we miss the whole point. They're paying more money in this state. Who sent you to go? Ah, pastor, I got a better job. Where is God in that decision? Oh, pastor, now I got a better job. Tomorrow is coming. Next year is coming, five years is coming, ten years to coming. Moses said, if God does not go with us, how can we be distinguished? 
We don't think that way. Because this spirit of greed has gripped a lot of people. The last days are here. First Timothy 6, 5. It says, these people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt. And they have turned their backs on the truth. Why? To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become worthy. That's why they pray. That's why they're around over the place. Including pastors and pastors, money, money, money. Money, money, money. Millionaire pastors, money, 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 money. Verse 6. Yet, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. 7. After all, we brought nothing with us. When we came into the world, we cannot take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptations and are trapped. This is the Holy Spirit talking. He knows what he's saying. They are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Why are you not in church? Ah, my job. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, some people craving money have wandered from the truth through faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. But you, Timothy, you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from these evil things. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Love the God, the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Cause is the man who trusts in the arm of the flesh. The last days are here. The last point I want to make is, can God trust you with what you're asking? Can God trust you? Can God trust you? The health he gave you, he, kept, he gave you good health. What are you doing with it that is, that is for his glory and for his purpose? The money he gave you, have you not taken over and become the Lord of it? And then you give him, give him, you know, give him like a schoolboy. Have you not taken over? Has he not stolen your heart? You've fallen in love with it. You don't have pain. You wake up, you eat what you like. What are you doing with the health he gave you? Why should he give you more? When the one he gave you, you are abusing it. You are not using it for the purpose for which he gave you. It's called abuse. Why should he give you more? First Peter 14. As each of you has received a gift, a particular spiritual talent, a gracious divine endowment, employ it for one another as, as befits good trustees of God's many-sided graces, faithful stewards of the Excellently diverse powers and gifts granted to Christians by your merited favor. We are mere stewards. You see, my life, the health it gives me, I don't own it. I'm a steward of it. What I do with this life, I, 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 I'm a steward. I should be found faithful. If I'm not using my body and my life well, why should I ask him to, to heal it? The one he healed, I'm using it to abuse him and then driving people away from his kingdom. You want him to heal it again? Didn't you read this book? 1 Corinthians 42. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. What he gave you. How are you stewarding it? The money he gave you. You have, you have become the Lord of your life now. You don't ask him, Lord, this money is yours. How much do you want me to give out of what belongs to you? You know, that's why he protects it against the demons. That's why he say you pay your tithe and I'll rebuke the virus for your sake. Because you, you do what I say with my money, then it becomes my duty to protect it. And even the one that is left, God multiplies it. God keeps away some things that will take your money, some things that will drag you into spending. 
He will, he said, I will, I will do, I will protect you. I will not let none of these things come to you. There are a lot of things we don't see that's happening. There are many things you don't see. But because we walk in human wisdom, we lose the best of God. Next time we come, okay, before we go, Matthew 25, 28. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are giving. Listen to that. To those who use well what they are giving, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping national state. My question is to me and to you, the blessing God gave you, what are you doing with it? How faithful are you? The family he gave you, the children he gave you, the wife he gave you, the husband he gave you, why did you abandon them for something else? Find somebody better. The father he gave you, the mother he gave you. Why are you not honoring them? Why have you decided to insult them? Did he keep you alive to be insulting your parents? He said, when you do this, then I bless you with long life. How are you stewarding? Do you want more? The one he gave you, what are you doing with it? Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you for speaking to us tonight. He that has yet to hear, let him hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. Thank you for this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.